So then the alien says, Prober, you Prober, you scooped her up. Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Anyway, so, oh, it's, it's time to start the show. Okay, uh, 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 welcome everybody. It's a Wednesday. It's time now for Supernatural News and Parashare. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Uh, right over there is our hostess with the mostest, uh, Mally Fox. Mally, how you doing? <laughs> I'm fine now that the joke's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was a good joke. I, I guess mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was off on that. I'm uh, glad you practiced on me and not the audience. Yeah, yeah, because uh, otherwise I couldn't do one of those. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, boy, if we are we we are chock a block full of news today. We have got a lot of stuff on the on the plate on the old plate today. Everybody has lost their mind. <laughs> That's the only way I can. <laughs> I'm like, is that new? <laughs> no, no, just in a different way. Um, okay. Everybody supposedly now has been part of some grand experiment sent back through time, um, or they've had a spooky experience this week. I don't know what the okay. deal is. So we, I mean, everybody, everybody's having some sort of paranormal experience, except for me this week i think that's the theme <laughs> everybody except for me has had an experience <laughs> remember when we used to go paranormal investigating we used to call ourselves the ghost repellents because like nothing yeah. would ever happen to us at the events until later on the coolers yeah yeah exactly yeah that's sad <laughs> remember when we were gonna we were gonna do a show that was just us sitting in a corner for four hours <laughs> nothing happening you know, we used to call ourselves the afterthoughts. Yes, the afterthoughts, because <laughs> nobody would go to dinner with us. It was such a sad existence out on the road. <sighs> I think we got. I think we got a show to pitch to uh, Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> the sad and lonely. Instead, you know how the like uh, who was it who had the Lonely Island? Was that was that uh, Sandler? No, that wasn't Sandler. That was uh, what's his name who did the uh, cop show on SNL. <laughs> You know what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Lonely Island. We could be <laughs> the Lonely Investigators, and we could have our own. We could Sandberg. have Sandberg. Yeah, Sandberg yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, Andy Sandberg. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name to begin with. It's just part of the old age. Um, but we could be the Lonely Investigators. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have our own show. Boy, this is getting off the rails quick, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I brought us there. If you really want. No, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, the Lonely Investigator. So it'll be uh, four hours sitting in a room by ourselves with no activity. And then we'll have a hard time getting people to invite us to dinner afterwards. So. <laughs> it'll be the most worthless paranormal show on on Discovery Travel Channel since blank. I'll let you fill in the blank yourself at home. <laughs> Please, if you'd like to email me and fill in the punchline, Tim at darknessradio.com. Maybe we'll uh, read your answers on air. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll leave it alone <laughs> for the sake of our own being able to book guests in the future. We'll leave it alone. Hmm. Anywho, it's a Supernatural News and Parashare Wednesday. I'm Tim Dennis. That's Mally Fox. We have got a lot of stories to get to, Mal. Let's jump into it, shall we? Okay. Uh, We'll start out with this guy who says, I was part of CIA's psychic experiments and saw 10-foot humanoids in a pyramid on Mars. Oh. (laughs) Yikes. You know what I saw this week? I saw a chipmunk. That's as exciting as it got for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't see any humanoids on Mars, but let's see what this guy has to say. One of the strangest stories to come out of the Cold War was the CIA's Project Stargate, an attempt to use psychic powers to spy on America's enemies. But one experiment was even stranger. A former CIA operative who was part of the U.S. spy agency's experiments in remote viewing claims to have seen giant humanoid aliens sheltering in a pyramid on Mars. The beings, described as around 10 feet tall, appeared to take refuge from some massive disaster that took uh, took planet or took planet on the red planet. It probably took place on the red planet. Ah, uh, gotcha. A little typo there. Yeah. Over one million years ago. That's the sensational claim of psychic spy Joe McMonagall, who we've actually had on the show. Okay. Yeah. He was part of the CIA's Project Stargate, which was aimed at unlocking untapped powers of the human mind. At the height of the Cold War, the superpowers were keen to exploit any advantage in a bid to gain the upper hand over their rivals. And one of the CIA's more outlandish plans was to build psychic and extrasensory perception to spy on Russian and Chinese military installations. On one occasion, Joe was woken up by program director Bob Monroe in order to visualize a site that was not on or was not in Russia or China. In fact, it was over 140 million miles away and a million years in the past. He said, I was sleeping in the sealed cube at the Monroe Institute because we had been working on going out of body and controlling it, Joe told the Sean Ryan podcast. He woke me up and said, I'm awake. What's going on? And he said, well, I have some people here from the Department of the Army. Monroe told Joe to concentrate on the contents of a sealed envelope he had in his pocket. He recalled it started out with a really large pyramid. And so the first words out of my mouth were, this must be a new discovery. And he said, why do you say? And I replied, because it's huge. It's bigger than the Pyramid of Giza. It must be a new discovery somewhere. Joe was told to focus on the interior of the mysterious building and he started to perceive rooms inside, rooms that seemed too large for any known pyramid. Then he started to get a sense of the pyramid's purpose. He told Monroe, it appears to be some form of protection for the survivors of some cataclysm. And they're in stasis. They're waiting for someone to come or somebody to come. But I think it's too late. I think they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. As he continued to remote view the bodies in the pyramids, he came to realize that they were not entirely human. The special race of humans appeared to be at least 10 feet tall, he said, and added the sun looked very weird. It was then that Monroe showed him the instructions that had been transmitted into his subconscious, and they read, Mars, one million years B.C. Interesting, huh, Mel? He was later shown satellite images of Mars that showed the rim of a massive crater, indicating that a huge asteroid or comet struck the planet, leaving the kind of devastation that put an end to the reign of the dinosaurs. Joe is convinced that there was a civilization of humanoid beings on Mars in the distant past, and that they were wiped out by a massive extraterrestrial impact that left scars on the Martian surface that can still be seen today. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder, wonder, wonder. But why aren't they finding the remnants of the pyramid there, if, even if it happened a million years ago? You know, that's a good question. Well, you know, with a massive crater impact like that, you might have a, a shockwave that goes out that destroys just about everything or levels everything to dust. Okay. And that may be why you don't, you don't have the remnants of that pyramid that are, are sitting there. 
you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, you see, sometimes they say you see faces in the, in the surface of Mars or things like that. Maybe those yeah. faces are actually some of the remnant remnants. Maybe they have something like the Sphinx on, on Mars and maybe that's what we're seeing. I don't know. Okay. We haven't quite got there yet to find out. True. Yeah. There's that. There's that. I saw a story this week. Um, I didn't have time to to grab it, put it on here, but there's uh, the people in the chat room are cheering, our our Darkness Radio uh, chat room on Facebook are cheering because there's a planet now that's only 137 light years away from Earth that may be habitable. (laughs) Only. (laughs) Yeah, so they're they're getting ready. They're getting ready to to get off this world. I I don't know. I I would just say slow your roll there, kids. Yeah, exactly. We're not quite there yet, so yeah. (laughs) <laughs> just in case this one is is going to get ping-ponged around by by asteroids cuz mm-hmm. supposedly that's the deal now that we're we're dangerously close to an a, a, a asteroid impact although we hear that like every other day from yeah. stories so uh, that could be that could be I'm not I'm not quite sure this next story goes hand in hand with the last story and that is that the US military is using alien tech handed down by builders of the pyramids again we're talking pyramids this according to a conspiracy that's out there right now we love our conspiracies here on the show mal um, yes we do yes we do evidence of an ancient nuclear war and clues to communication with alien civilizations lies hidden beneath the sands of Egypt this according to ancient civilization expert billy carson A so-called expert on ancient civilizations has sensationally claimed the Great Pyramid of Giza was created using advanced technology that is only now being rediscovered. Billy Carson bizarrely claims the massive stone monument was a multifunctional stone computer and wireless power plant, as well as a communications device. The Harvard and MIT graduate told podcaster Sean Ryan, why does he keep popping up in our stories? Um, (laughs) That there's evidence of a nuclear conflict buried beneath the sands of Egypt. He said, when you dig your hand in the sand, you'll pull up balls of glass, which was my nickname in football. (laughs) Balls of glass. Balls of glass. Well, I never did go head first in for a tackle after that time I split my helmet in two. I don't know if I ever told you that story. I know you have not. I've heard about the concussions, but not yeah. your helmet split in two. One of them was when I split my helmet in two. Mm. <laughs> well, they only made them out of sandpaper and a little bit of thin plastic back in the day when I played. That was the, after they got rid of the leather helmets uh, that we uh, we used to play with. So. Uh, yeah, balls of glass. <laughs> it takes a temperature of 3,000 degrees, by the way, to create glass out of sand. That's weapons fire, according to uh, the guy who was on with Sean Ryan. Uh, Billy rejects the idea that these huge monolithic structures were intended as tombs. One of the sar- sarcophagi, which is the biggest word I'll use today, was clearly never intended for a human body. He continued, I can't even lay down in that thing. My knees have to be bent it's not a sarcophagus. It's it's the exact same dimensions as the Ark of the Covenant. Ooh, ooh, he's he's hinting here. <laughs> he's hinting. The Ark of the Covenant was a power plant device. We know this based on the descriptions in the Bible, and it's been replicated at two different universities by two different groups of people, and generated so much power they had to shut it down. But all this super advanced technology may not have originated here on Earth. Billy thinks the ancients may have been using the pyramids to exchange information with alien civilizations. 
I'll give you a little hint here, Mally. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's not the first time I've heard this information. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, they were utilizing it for communication, he said. Astrophysicists communicate and send information out into space to connect with ET or talk to ET on the hydrogen frequency, the most abundant frequency in the universe. Now, when you look at the Great Pyramid, it's got these giant shafts on the sides that align with Orion, uh, Aldebaran, Arcturus, and all these other star systems on specific time frames. Boy, that's getting specific, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I should watch out my window to make sure I'm not going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were transmitting on the hydrogen frequency updates to those star systems, he goes on to say. Why else have those shafts pointed at star systems, and why have they had them, or why have them have the capability of shooting hydrogen through those shafts? To me, it's a communications device, he went on to say. Some of those hyper-advanced technology may not be as lost as we think, Billy adds, through his company, First Class Space Agency. He claims to have access to top-secret briefings on technology being used in NASA that's 300 years in advance of what we see now. He believes that a lot of this technology, such as engines that run on free energy, is being suppressed by powerful business interested in the U.S. Billy adds that even more incredible technology is developed in secret U.S. weapons labs. He claims the ability to transfer a person's mind into a robot body or even another living human is under development by weapons research facility DARPA. The science fiction concept is nothing new and was carved on the so-called emerald tablets millennia ago. He said they've already taken a monkey and transferred its consciousness into a computer. That was done in about 2010. Do you think? I don't remember that story. (laughs) I don't either, but he's he's claiming it's already been done. Okay. He says DARPA have the Avatar Project. He says, I wrote about it in my book, where they transfer a soldier's consciousness into a field robot. And then the only thing that gets damaged if the robot blows up is the symbiotic link is disconnected but the soldier's obviously not going to die sounds Uh, like a movie it does sound like a movie doesn't it Mm -hmm. Uh, this has all been done this is the real science being actively used right now he claims billy believes that all of this advanced extraterrestrial knowledge has been handed down through the emerald tablets a collection of incredibly ancient relics said to be inscribed with the secrets of the universe now right about now you're saying tim you sound like you've lost your damn mind Uh, But this is all what this Billy Carson is saying. And he's an expert host on the Ancient Civilizations TV documentary. I don't know if you take your TV seriously, that uh, that means something. (laughs) I don't know, Mal. You know, some of that information I've heard before. I can't say where I've heard it, but I've heard it before. But some of that information goes a step further than the stuff I've heard before. Well, do you think he should be sharing that information? Do you think people are going to be showing up at his door? <laughs> I don't know, but one of those... If it's true. One of those things I actually predicted would be uh, would be unveiled this year, which was that yeah. uh, the, the ancient pyramids were were actually a transmission device between, between our world and, and the ancient alien worlds. So, I don't know. Just saying. Well, if he... Unfortunately, has a strange death. <laughs> yeah, if he if he comes up missing. Yeah, or missing. Yeah, then we he know. He might have been on to something. 
or he was on something, one or the other. You may find out he mysteriously had an overdose somewhere, mm-hmm. and then you'll know why. Or a strange car accident. Yes, or a strange car accident. That could happen as well. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next story. Scientists claim to have solved the World War II Foo Fighter UFOs mystery. So I, this will be interesting because this may be on the skeptical okay. side of things. During World War II, pilots on both sides reported witnessing strange phenomena in the skies over Europe and beyond. These particular or peculiar rather objects, which sparked rumors of secretive weapons testing over the battlefields of the Second World War, often manifested as mysterious lights, spherical shaped cloud like formations or red balls of fire that remained a mystery both during and after the war. Now, though, the phenomena may finally have an answer, at least partially, courtesy of researchers from the universities of California, Arizona and Harvard Smithsonian. According to their new study, some of the objects described as Foo Fighters were mostly likely plasmas or ionized gases, which can manifest in various strange ways. Similar phenomena have been witnessed by astronauts on numerous occasions. These plasmas are electromagnetic entities that have a variety of shapes and sizes, said study co-author Dr. Rudolf Schild of Harvard-Smithsonian. They've repeatedly approached spacecraft and the space shuttles and are attracted to electromagnetic activity, including thunderstorms. That was a quote from him. Based on video, photographic, and computerized analysis, including reports by military officers and astronauts, he says we believe these plasmas account for at least some of the numerous reports of UFOs and unidentified aerial phenomena over the last several thousand years, including the Foo Fighters observed by German, Japanese, and Allied pilots during World War II. So what do you think, Mal? Is it a natural phenomena, or was it something more? Hmm. They always blame gas. <laughs> it's always gas. <laughs> it's always some sort of gas, isn't it? Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. And finally, before we go into a break, we're hearing from yet another time traveler, Mally. Okay. This time. From the past or the future? Oh, this time from the future. Okay. Far into the future. This time traveler claims to have gone years into the future and warns that we are extinct. As long as it happens after I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you reincarnated and come back and you're on the edge of extinction? <laughs> well, no, oh, man. Yeah. You always have to put a damper on my... <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that, you know, if you believe in reincarnation, you may end up... That, that, I do. That's the thing that, you know, when people talk about, and I know some people are going to roll their eyes in the, in the audience when I say global warming, but hey, we got to face it, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. If we are damaging our earth, a lot of people say, well, I don't have to worry about it. I'll be long gone by then, right? Uh-huh. But, but what if you believe in reincarnation and you're coming back and you got to deal with the problem in two or three lifetimes? Are you trying not to let me sleep at night again? <laughs> Dang, Nabbit. See? And then you end up coming back, and it's 140 degrees on this planet all the time. And there's no vegetation and barely any wildlife. And then you're the one who's got to blast a rocket off this planet and find another place to live. (laughs) Or better yet, you're on the edge of extinction. And you're the one who's got to solve the problem. 
Well, how far are we talking, like, in the future? I well, mean, let's, how, let's how find many out. reincarnations am I going to be having here? Well, let's find out. A bizarre man who claims he's a time traveler who visited... Are you ready for this? What? The year 2027. Oh, man. I know. I don't even have to... Go. Oh. It's our lifetime. Where he says humanity has become extinct. Allie, that's three years from now. I know. I can't even get through two reincarnations. Uh, TikTok user Javier, first of all, I don't believe him if his name's Javier. No, I'm kidding. Um, posted a number of videos of his so-called visits to four years from now. Okay, first of all, four years, somebody can't count. That would have been 2023. Yeah. On his feet, he shows himself in supermarkets and roads, as well as football stadiums and landmarks, including the Leaning Tower of Pisa alone, except for the person recording him. No other people are included in the bizarre videos on his account known as at, I believe this is, Unicazobrevente. It's all one word, so I tried to read it very carefully. Unicoza Brevivente, hmm. which translate as the only survivor. Yeah, but with today's technology, you can remove other people out of your photos. You can. You can make a very clever video out of it. Despite the apparent loneliness, the Earth will suffer in a few years' time. Everyday luxuries, including lighting and the Internet, appear to be unaffected by whatever fate awaits us. Go figure on that one. Mm. His trips to the future also take in London as he walks around Arsenal's Emirates Stadium before going inside the home dressing room where, despite it being 2027, they've opted to hang up the 23-24 squad's shirts. So evidently those were current. Uh-huh. Yep. Later, he went to Chelsea's Stamford Bridge home where he went behind the scenes alone, naturally, but refrains from walking onto the pitch. So he naturally got into the stadium there. While in London, he also went to the National Gallery and enjoyed seeing the art by himself. He later goes to Camden, which is also empty of other people. Like many other taking in the sights of London, he later goes to the House of Parliament, which also appears empty. In Spain, he takes in a similar trip to Barcelona's Camp Nou Stadium, where despite it going under huge renovations on a 30,000-square-foot domed roof, it appears to have not been added yet. All right. Touché. Other locations visited by the lonely time traveler include Paris, as he uploaded, I've been 11 days in Paris on my own. Many of the videos have had more than 1 million views by baffled viewers. Well, some Now, here's the thing, okay? Uh-huh. They're, they're supposedly reopening Notre Dame. Yep. Okay. And In 2024, right? Right. And it's coming up soon because I just saw the news story on this. Six months of celebrations are coming up. I wonder if he walked by it and if it was finished mm. because supposedly it's finished. While some people seem concerned about the apparent catastrophe on the horizon, there are less... Or, Others are less taken in by the videos. One person asked, if you're in the future, who won the World Cup in 2026, please? Another said, Javier, I'll send my spaceship for you. Bring all the cash you can gather. 
another dares him to visit Area 51 in the USA. That's a good dare. I would say that or even just like, you know, the Metropolitan Police or something where you know that there's always people there and you can't just walk around. Like with the stadium and stuff, maybe you have back, you have some type of pass. You know somebody so you can get in there and you can walk around and whatever. But if you go somewhere where you know there's constantly someone and you can't just walk around by yourself. Right, right. It yeah. might be harder to prove that you're in the future. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Do something that you know. Right. Because yeah. you can go to parts of the museum where there's no one there. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's lots of places you can go by yourself or after hours. Yeah. And yep. claim that you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you could easily Photoshop out or you can edit certain angles where it looks like you're by yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other videos show his apparent solo time travel trips other than the person holding the camera include drives on some seemingly empty roads as snow falls and on speedboats. In another video, he uh, also claims to have stolen the Mona Lisa from the Louvre in France to prove he is in 2027. There's plenty of fakes you can make up there. Mm-hmm. He also claimed to have broken into Lionel Messi's house where he held a World Cup trophy, despite the Argentinian quitting France for Miami in 2023, a full four years before his supposed visit. I mean, this guy could be rich and he's paying off somebody to do something. Oh, sure. Or he has a lot of contacts. Yes, yeah. that too. Yeah. And he could be pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. So uh, there's a lot of skepticism to be thrown around here. But Javier supposedly is uh, traveling to 2027 and we're all doomed. And if, that's the, if, if that is the truth, then what happens that in 2027 we all become extinct? Right. I mean, is it a nuclear event? Is it? He doesn't. He doesn't tell us what it was. No, he doesn't say. There's, there's nothing here saying what the actual <clears throat> event is. That, that because uh, maybe we could prevent it if he would tell us. Right. Like if it's some crazy, you know, leader. I may have an idea. Okay. I'm going to tell you after the break. Okay. An AI may be warning us of what it is. Oh, boy, not AI again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I may give you a little bit of a nightmare here on the other side of the break here, Mally, that will wake you up as to what it is that makes us all extinct in 2027. Okie doke. All right, we'll do that when we come back. It's Supernatural News and Parashare Wednesday. Mally Fox and Tim Dennis right here on a Wednesday when we come back. Lots of scary stuff from AI. We're also going to spook you out. We're going to go to a Coca-Cola Airs mansion and okay. tell you tell you a little bit about the ghosts that are there and we'll we'll explore some lost kingdoms at the end of the show lost kingdoms it's not just atlantis that's underwater there's a lot of other kingdoms that are lost out there mally and we'll explore those at the end of the show so cool lots of good stuff today on the supernatural yeah. news wednesday We'll be right back with more right here on The Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is Darkness Radio.
Welcome back to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Right over there is Mally Fox. Speaking of time traveling, Mally, do you realize that this week in history, 38 years ago, what, what album do you think came out? Uh, do the math for me. What year was it in 38 years ago? I can't think right Believe now. Believe it or not, 38 years ago was 1986. Uh, how about Michael Jackson? You're close. It was a Jackson. Oh, really? Oh, Janet Jackson. Control. Ah, that was a good album. Doesn't that kind of make you feel old? Uh, just a tiny bit. Do you remember the Jets? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's scary is more people forget the Jets than remember the Jets. Well, they were, they lived in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But not everybody does live in Minnesota. Right. Well, I know, but they had like, what, two hits, three hits? Yeah. Well, and, but can anybody name them? Uh, <laughs> I got a verse in my head. The, What's the verse? I had a crush on you. Yeah, that was one. But mm-hmm. I don't know the. You don't know the second one, the follow-up. Yeah. Though. Nobody no. does, No. <laughs> Nope, nobody does. But you know who does know all of the Jets' favorite hits? AI doesn't forget a thing, Mally. <laughs> it never has. AI also can tell us how we're, we're leaving this planet. Okay. Evidently, it's going to be aliens. That's the event, Mally. It's aliens. <laughs> According to AI, remember the story from last week where, you know, we're supposed to tuck our tails and run when aliens show up? That's what AI said. Well, Bard went further than that and told us exactly how aliens are going to take us out. Do you think aliens are like, God, I wish they would just stop talking about us. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're We're the cause of all the problems. (laughs) We're the cause of the ending of the world. We're the, you know what I mean? I wish AI would shut up and quit giving away the game plan. (laughs) Exactly. I'm tired of being the scapegoat. (laughs) According to AI, aliens will use telekinesis and gravity bending to take the Earth. Okay. Now, if you bend gravity, we're screwed. Do we just, like, implode? Yeah, we'd kind of fly off the Earth, wouldn't we? Yeah, I guess, if you bend it. Yeah. Aliens from beyond the stars could wipe out civilization on Earth using teleportation, telekinesis, and weaponry that would render our traditional defenses completely useless, according to an AI chatbot. That's what they warned. Boy, they sure are imaginative for being machines. I feel like we're like the white trash of the universe. Like our planet's just <laughs> made fun of. Like they, AI should. <laughs> like we're the moonshine runners. Yeah. yeah. Do a picture of what aliens think we look like. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got like a pickup truck, Daisy Dukes. We're blown into moonshine jugs. And yeah. Exactly. Shotgun racks on the back of our trucks. Indeed. Just kind of like they just probably think we're just the worst people in the universe. <laughs> No one wants to come to our planet. <laughs> <laughs> they don't invite us to the family reunion. Yeah. yeah. We get all the rejects. <laughs> we never get invited to Christmas. Oh, this is, yeah. The and aliens tell our children, this is what not to do. And if we do, we get like inner space lottery tickets for gifts. Oh, yeah. They never buy us real you. gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, aliens could use their technologically advanced powers, including gravity bending, manipulation, and weapons, which could make our defenses obsolete to wreak havoc on Earth, according to an AI chatbot. Google's AI Bard, which has a hell of an imagination, reckons teleportation woes, high-powered lasers, and the ability to manipulate life itself to prove troublesome should the world find itself facing off against invaders from outer space. Software has run through a list of menacing abilities these aliens could have. Given that we have no offense or defense or anything against manipulative terror robots or nanotechnology beyond our research, it looks like alien invaders have the upper hand, according to Bard. Uh, Bard told the Daily Star aliens might be able to bend gravity, teleport across vast distances, and even create wormholes for instantaneous travels. Imagine an attack where entire cities could be warped into oblivion or enemy forces materialized out of thin air. They may also be equipped with weapons that reshape landscapes, disintegrate targets at a molecular level, or harness raw stellar energy for devastating blasts. The doom does not stop there with sophisticated biotech, likely in the arsenal of advanced civilizations. The AI chatbot added manipulating organic life forms or even controlling our minds through neural interfaces would be easy enough for the little green men. It would also mean dealing with mental manipulation or devastating preemptive strikes based on unforeseen vulnerabilities. If their powers of land manipulations weren't bad enough, conventional warfare could be useless as we could face hyperspace warfare with aliens able to unleash unimaginable destructive power, rendering traditional defenses obsolete. And as if artificial intelligence could not get any scarier, the aliens may plan to adapt it into their own plans for warfare. Google Bard claimed swarms of self-replicating machines could dismantle anything in their path uh, from infrastructure to living beings. Sentient machines with superior tactical and strategic capabilities could orchestrate devastating campaigns, leaving us little room for countermeasures. However, we always have Mally's dogs to back us up and protect oh us. Oh, my so there gosh. You go. I'm telling you. No, no, no. It's all right. It's all right. At least we know they're on their guard. They're the only ones yeah. left to protect us, Mally. But it's usually against squirrels. It's not even anything <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, maybe it's maybe like that's, how they, that's how they sneak up on us. They disguise themselves as squirrels. Oh, and then one starts barking, barking to get the other one going. And I'm like, you guys have been quiet all day. <laughs> Second, I start recording. Uh, That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. We love we love puppies on this program, so it's not a big deal. Not not a big deal at all. Well, they're rescue ones, so that's good. Yes, that is. (laughs) At least one of them is. That is good. Meanwhile, body cam maker Axon is on a mission to surveil America with AI. So you'll be spied on with AI, Mally. Okay. Sooner or later. (laughs) Axon makers of tasers and police body cameras have acquired AI surveillance camera company Fusis amid a push into retail and healthcare settings. Uh Uh-huh. So they're going to be in retail and healthcare now. Yeah. Axon, maker of tasers and police body cameras, has acquired a surveillance company that allows police to tap into camera networks in schools, retail stores, and other locations in cities and towns across America and apply AI technology to the footage. The move comes as Axon is trying to expand its cameras into retail and healthcare settings. 
Exxon acquired Fusis in an undisclosed sum. According to a news release posted on Thursday this past week, the acquisition expands and deepens the company's so-called real-time capabilities. Fusis operates what it calls real-time crime centers, which allows police and other public agencies to analyze a wide array of video sources at a single point and apply AI that detects objects and people. These centers, Wait, objects and people? Yeah, both. Ugh. Yeah. These centers are reminiscent of the Department of Homeland Security's fusion centers, where intelligence from a diverse number of sources is collected and shared among agencies and have already expanded to over 250 cities and counties with fuses, hospitals, schools, retail stores, houses of worship, event venues, and residential communities, whole cities and towns are better protected and importantly can contribute to greater safety for everyone. An Axon blog on the Fusis acquisition states. How do you feel about being more safe, Mally? What? I don't know. This is getting a little out of hand. When do you say enough is enough? Yeah. Because AI can go wrong. It can. And it can misidentify you. Yeah. As, as Bruiser says, and it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck if it misidentifies you and follows you around. Didn't some guy get put away because they did like the face thing and they did it incorrectly and it wasn't him? A few people have. Yeah. They've been oh, put away yeah. for being misidentified. Yeah. 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 Scary. So good luck on that deal. Yeah. Meanwhile... There's another one? Yes. <laughs> Gee, your thoughts? China unveils a plan for chilling zombie brain chips to be implanted into your skulls to rival Elon Musk's Neuralink. Now, in all fairness, Neuralink is being used for medical devices and to be able to help people who are paralyzed to be able to move again. That's uh -huh. one of the things that Neuralink is being used for. But do you trust the Chinese? <laughs> uh, China has entered the race to implant brain chips into human skulls in a bid to pit against Elon Musk's Neuralink. The country unveiled a chilling timeline to develop what it calls a brain-computer interface and aims to release products as early as 2025. This all seems like it's happening too fast. China's shock plan in the field of brain chips comes as Musk announced that the first Neuralink brain chip has been successfully implanted into a human skull. The billionaire said that the preliminary results from the human test subject are promising. And now the announcement by China following the footsteps of the Tesla boss could potentially spark the biggest global tech rivalry of this decade. China dubbed the brain-computer interface as one of its innovative, iconic products, according to the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology's press release on Monday. It said the country in coming years is aiming to develop a range of brain interface products, just like Neuralink's telepathy. China aims to make breakthroughs in key technologies and core devices, such as brain-computer fusion, brain-like chips and brain-computing neural models, that according to the Chinese ministry. Last year, the Chinese government opened a 60-person laboratory focused entirely on brain-machine interfaces. The lab is reportedly focused on 
turning extensive research in the field of brain chips into practical applications to rival Musk's Neuralink, according to South China Morning Post. Researchers in China, by the way, have apparently developed a computing device that connects to your brain via the inner ear. While this device works without a chip implant, like Neuralink's telepathy, it can still feed data directly into the human brain. China says it hopes to use such advanced brain technology in driverless cars, virtual reality, and medical rehabilitation, a cumulative vision that was first pitched by Musk in 2017. Experts, however, argue that China could leverage such tech implants and weaponize them to spy against their own people. See, I could see that happening. Yeah? You think that's happening sooner than later? Get some Dr. Evil in there. Yeah, I think so, too. So, Mally, mm-hmm. chip implants, whether it be in the ear or in the brain, are you for it or against it? I think I'm against it. I mean, I like the idea the idea of it helping people walk and all that stuff, but I don't know. <clears throat> I just think it's asking for trouble. I'm okay with it if it's if it's going to hap- happen, uh, you know, happen with the handicapped. If it's going to happen with, especially when we talk about being able to commandeer with the handicap, being able to commandeer a vehicle or being able to do things that we're unable to do because of disabilities. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I like the idea of being able to level the playing field. That to me is a good idea. That's a positive use of technology. The only problem is, is technology breaks down. Machinery is not infallible. Oh, that's true. And there's always a case where somebody's in the middle of doing something Technology breaks down and somebody gets hurt because of it. And it's more often than not. And I hate to think of what happens when somebody's on the road using this technology and it breaks down and there's a car crash. Mm-hmm. Somebody's at home using this technology and the technology breaks down and they get injured. You know, things like that. You can't tell me that you can build this technology and it doesn't break down. You know, what happens if a chip fries in someone's brain? What happens if a chip fries in someone's ear and it damages their hearing? Things like that. It's, it's things like that. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. I'm just saying that you have to think of all possibilities before something like that happens. I mean, that's only logical. I'm always thinking of like the worst case scenario of somebody taking advantage of it and doing, you know, evil stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. But uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, you have to look to that extreme, too. But I'm just right, but talking your about practicality, though. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Yeah. Everyday usage and right. just the the everyday wear and tear of things like that. You know, I, I tend to look at things like, you know, having been on the, the side of having to use certain technology to get through every day. Um, I look at it as, okay, I I can see having to use that and maybe even in the future, but is it practical for me on an everyday seeing how things break down? Right. Is it practical on a day to day, month to month, year to year basis, you know, and how quickly can you develop the technology? How quickly can you get it up and running and make it efficient? 
that's the thing because we always know the first, second, third generation is crap. It always right. is until yeah. you get it to a third and fourth generation where it's stable. You know, you never want the first and second generation of anything because it's it's nope. just not good. It's never good. But the third and fourth generation is always good. And that's that's the generation you want. By the way, Mally, in case you thought we were done with AI stories, I'm sorry. We have one more. The job of the future, Mal, may be... And I want to thank, by the way, our, our audience who's come through on some of these stories this week, Tom and, and Tony and those guys. Robot Wrangler. Okay. No, no. Ex- is this like herd? Is this like herding cats? It is like herding cats. <laughs> yes. Robot Wrangler, no experience required. Even you and I, Mally, can r- wrangle robots in the future. How about this for a future job advert? Wranglers wanted for growing fleets of robots. Your responsibilities will include evaluating robot performance, providing real-time analysis and support for problems. You must be analytical, detail-oriented, friendly, and ready to walk. Well, that 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 puts me out. <laughs> I was out at analytical. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I don't want to think either. Uh, no advanced degree is required for this deal. Even if this particular advertisement has not yet appeared, some are already carrying out the role. That's right. 32-year-old Brandon Reese used to make food deliveries. Now he watches robots do them. (laughs) He's the ultimate lazy. Since September, Mr. Reese has been working as a robot operator for Robbie Technologies, a Silicon Valley startup whose robots have been deployed by delivery firms in eight cities in California. I'm gonna show you this picture here, Mally. Does this not scream, I make 10 bucks an hour to you? <laughs> you know what's funny is I saw a video of one of those little robot things getting stuck on a curb. Right! And a girl came by and she helped it. The little robot delivery vans yeah. are, are maybe three feet high? <laughs> yeah, it was on, I think it was on a college campus or something, but she saw it stuck. And then so she helped it. She was like, it's heavy. <laughs> it is. Well, it has to be, you know, because it's yeah. got to get through sleet and snow and it floods <laughs> to get you your pizza on time. <laughs> on a typical day, Mr. Reese picks up a robot, then accompanies it through the streets. It seems like a waste of time. Pro- yeah. Providing assessment of the robot's performance, backup in the event of any serious problems, and explanations to curious passers-by So he has to explain why he's walking with a little vehicle. (laughs) Seems like a waste of time. (laughs) On other days, he sits at a desk with screens monitoring the machines from afar. Mr. Reese's role might seem counterintuitive. After all, robots are widely expected to displace workers as many as 800 million Mali or 30% of the global workforce by 2030. We already have a hard enough time trying to get people jobs and we're going to take away more. Well, the jobs report was up yesterday. All right. One day. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a global, t- it's a, not a global trend, but a, a, it's a country trend. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a national I trend. I think it's lying. No. Because everyone I hear is having problems getting a job. E- a job. Drob. A job. <laughs> I can't even talk. No. I, even on Fox <laughs> News, the analysts there said you can't, the numbers don't lie. Mm. Record, record, record jobs uh, numbers yesterday. Okay, well they're they're not where I am. 
Maybe they're all. Because I hear about it all the time or I see it on social media. Maybe they're all walking around with robots. Just like. <laughs> kind of like remote control cars. Yeah. Yeah. They're all walking around with robots. Uh, but his job wrangling robots offers the glimpse of a new kind of role that are likely to emerge as automation. That's a new job. Reading, evidently, uh, emerge as automation transforms a wide swath of industries from transportation to healthcare. The way we view it, the whole industry is shifting toward the paradigm that we basically have intelligent machines that do the actual physical labor, said Matthew Delaney. Chief executive of the robotics company Marble, which started deliveries in the San Francisco area last year, either in conjunction with a person or where the person is remote support in more of a manager role. How would you like to manage a robot, Mally? No, that's okay. I was trying to think, I was trying to imagine you telling your jokes to a robot. It'll go over about as well as it does with the audience, I think. But, uh, yeah, except for the uh, robot can't email me back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, give me one of these. There we go. Uh, the role performed by Mr. Reese is so new that it's not even acquired a clearly recognized title. By the way, job posts use terms like technicians, monitors, handlers, and operations specialists. Media outlets have described the role as anything from robot chauffeurs to robot babysitters <laughs> chauffeur sounds fancier than a babysitter i'd rather be a chauffeur than a babysitter regardless mm -hmm. of the name analysts say it's clear such positions are growing so this this is a growing field <sighs> yeah so get ready for to be a robot chauffeur i feel like i need to go back into like the 1800s because me and technology are just not friends <laughs> well you know they, they'd be covered robots if you were back in that that day so yeah yeah <laughs> you could put a little little wagon cover over them and deliver mm -hmm. your pizza that way shall we uh, switch gears to a spookier vein yes please let's make the transition by uh starting with a case that everybody's familiar with and one that's spooky in the human sense not just the ghost sense the slender man attacker is seeking release from a mental health institute we'll start out in the real world oh. how does that sound around 10 years ago believe it or not it's been 10 years ago already it doesn't feel like 10 years but i remember when we were talking about it yeah two squirrel school girls critically two squirrels yes two squirrels <laughs> <laughs> that were outside trying to attack your dogs, yeah. uh, critically wounded their classmate in an effort to appease the fictional entity, the incident which made headline news back in 2014 already. Wow. Hard to believe. Saw Anissa Weir and Morgan Geiser. Believe it or not, Bruiser has a, has a uh, tie to them. Oh, I think his daughter had a tie to them. Okay. Uh, who were both 12 at the time, lured one of their sixth grade classmates out to a woodland park in Wisconsin before stabbing her repeatedly with a knife. The senseless attack was reportedly dedicated to Slenderman, a fictitious entity invented on an internet forum who typically appears as a very tall, thin individual with a black suit and no face. Geyser, who pleaded guilty to first degree intentional homicide in 2018, was sent to Winnebago Mental Health Institute, where she was determined to be suffering from mental illness. Weir, meanwhile, has also been sent to a mental health facility, but was later released 
on the basis that she no longer represented a threat to the public. Now, according to reports, a new hearing is set to take place in April after Geyser, who's now 21, requested that Waukesha County Circuit Court Judge uh, Michael Boren grant her conditional release. This is the second time she's made such a request, having done the same in 2022 before withdrawing the petition a mere two months later. Whether the judge will deem her fit to be released, however, remains to be seen. The hearing will take place on April 10th through the 11th. With that in mind, Mally, should she get out? Oh, I don't know. Well, how is the other one doing? I mean, have they been following up with her? She's renounced all things Slender Man. Okay. She says that she was at a confused point in her life, that uh, she was, you know, she was wrong to do what she did, that she's apologized, that things are much better in her life. And that's why she's free and, and out. Um, for me, I, I have a... I have a hard time letting the actual person who did the crime go at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're, if you're in a mental health facility, there's a reason you're there. And yeah, if you're there exactly. this many years, there's a reason you're still there. Um, yeah. I think the whole reason this was filed is because of age. I mean, 21 is a magic, magic number. Yeah. And I think they've just filed this because of age and just saying, let's take another look at it. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that Morgan Geyser is 21 years old. We think maybe, you know, there might be some maturity in, in, in this and that, you know, this may be a quote unquote lesson, you know, that she's learned her lesson. She's older. She's more mature. She's more experienced. I don't know how you become experienced in a mental health ward. Right. Um, but we should try her on the outside again and, and see that she's, you know, she needs to catch up with society. You know what? If I was the victim, I probably would not. I would not want her free. No, 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 I, I wouldn't either. Um, and they looked into like schizophrenia and all that stuff to make sure. That I'm not sure because there's patient privileges there. That yeah, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. You but can't still, I'm just wondering if maybe there is a something else that you can't outgrow. You know, some type of mental thing that... I, I think there is, and that's probably why she's still there. Mm. There's there's something... You don't stay in a mental health facility for that long unless there's something seriously wrong. Right. So, I, she's probably where she needs to be. Um, but again, we, we leave that to the mental health fa facility and the professionals. Yeah. So, speaking of... of you know, you talk about the Slender Man phenomenon and, and other phenomena that's out there. People are learning about the, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, the Vardoger phenomena or Vardoger phenomena. And it's blowing people's minds. Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. This is evidently new. The feeling of deja vu is very odd, but if you've ever felt it in reverse. Have you ever felt it in reverse, deja vu? I'm trying to figure out how how that would feel. I know, feel right? in reverse. I'm like... <laughs> People are sharing the strange and weird experiences they've witnessed and it's freaking others out. So sometimes in life, things happen that just can't be explained by logical means. These glitches in the matrix can manifest in different ways, but one of the most common ones is a doppelganger is seen. So we've talked about doppelganger 
you know, right. before in the, in the past here on the show. There are many reported instances of people seeing someone in the home at work or out and about and then finding out it wasn't them at all. Myth, in mythology, seeing a doppelganger is believed to symbolize bad luck or even death. I didn't know that. Uh-uh. No. I didn't know that either. In a recent social media post uh, about such an occurrence, the idea of the Vardoger syndrome phenomena or Vardoger syndrome, I keep saying syndrome, it's phenomena. There's no syndrome behind it, uh, was discussed. And people have been feeling seriously freaked out. Sharing your story, one woman revealed, so this happened last year. My husband and I had recently moved into our apartment and we're still getting situated in a new space. One afternoon, he had left to go help his family with something and left me alone in the apartment. I didn't do much but lay around all day and finally decided to try taking a nap. I double-checked that the front door was locked because I was paranoid about living in an apartment building with neighbors so close by. I put on a YouTube video and laid down on the couch. After about 10 to 15 minutes of laying there, I heard him standing outside the front door trying to unlock it. I know I wasn't asleep or hadn't fallen asleep because I was still listening to the same YouTube video. I didn't wake up, though. I rolled over and pretended to be sleeping. I heard him come in. She didn't in. want to deal with him. <laughs> right. She's like, <laughs> she's just going to pretend to be sleeping. She's like, ah, let him come I in. I think every woman's dealt with that before. <laughs> God, that makes me feel so unworthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is that, by the way? Is it just women don't really care about guys? They just want them around for different uses. Is that the deal, really? <laughs> Listen, when it's three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> they just want I to prefer sleep. to sleep. <laughs> this is closed for business. <laughs> Hours are from eight to five. <laughs> well, fellas, you heard it here first. We cracked a major mystery. And now you know. <laughs> Uh, I heard him come in, she said, close the door behind him and put something on the table. Evidently his manhood. Uh, he walked into the living room and I could feel him standing near me. I heard him say something like, are you asleep? And then heard him walk into the back bedroom where he sat down in his computer chair. The woman explained that she really did fall asleep and woke up an hour later. Going over to check on her boyfriend, she was surprised to find he was no longer there. However, when she called to see where he went, she w she was left stunned when he told her that he hadn't been home at all. See, now that happened to me. But my dogs reacted as well as me. Really? Yes. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. I was up because of the dogs. My husband does swing shift because he's a firefighter. And I was letting them out. I heard the front door because we've got the ring. So it goes beep, beep, you know, when the doors open, mm -hmm. I was letting out the dogs and I had one dog with me. One was outside and then I heard the front door and then Marla started going, Marla Hooch started going crazy, barking, started going towards the front door and I hear, how's my baby girl? Because that's what he always says. Yep. And then I was like, Clarabelle, time to come inside. And then we came inside. I went to the, to the living room and he wasn't there. And I was like, oh, maybe he went back out to his car. I went there. I looked at the window. His car's not there. I'm like, what the hell? He comes in 10 minutes later. I'm like, were you just here? And he said, no. So not only did my alarm go off, I heard him. My dog heard him, but he wasn't home yet. Whoa. Yeah. So you have, you have experienced this. 
<clears throat> yeah, I didn't know what it was called, though. But yeah, even my dog experienced that, though. I mean, we have a lot of weird stuff in my house, but interesting. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Uh, she went on. I started freaking out. Who is in my house? Uh, I ran over to the front door to make sure it was still locked. Hopefully, I'd actually fallen asleep and dreamt the whole thing. But the door was unlocked, and there was a pile of mail sitting on the table that was not there before. Oh. Yeah. When my husband got home, I told him the whole story. He seemed to think that I was dreaming, but we cannot explain how the mail got brought up or how the door was unlocked. We checked the whole apartment for signs of anything missing, but everything was fine. To this day, I don't nap in my apartment because of this. Now, people reading the Reddit post were equally freaked out with many others sharing their own stories. One person replied, I had a similar experience as well. I was in my backyard with my dogs and heard my husband's husband's car pull into the driveway. My dogs even reacted and went to the sliding glass door. I could see him in the house. I watched him walk into our bedroom, leave the bedroom, and go into the bathroom. I waited for him in a bit and then went inside. He wasn't there. I called him thinking he must have gone down to the gas station for a beer or something. He was right down the street but had not been home yet. I went back outside and was freaked out. I told him everything and how I knew something because the dogs reacted as though it was him. It really scared me. Something. Someone else replied, Vardoger, or Vardoger, however you pronounce this, Norse mythology, audible only spirit predecessor. Just learned about this last week. It can, it's an incredibly interesting phenomena that I've experienced my whole life. I have a sinking feeling that there's a perfectly logical reason for this phenomena involving the complex mystery of the human brain that we have yet to unravel. The mail on the table, however, I don't understand. Unless you mistook yesterday's mail as being from the particular day in question, easy to do if that's where the mail is usually put and kept until open. I, for one, am guilty of not opening mail right away, of letting it sit for days in a pile looking for all the world like it just came out of the mailbox. It's pretty hard to distinguish new mail from old in a pile like this, is what one uh, one viewer of Reddit said, or one uh, user of Reddit said. Deja vu, the reverse of Vardoger, is believed by researchers of the field to be a symptom of seizure auras. And some scientists have discovered that frequently have deja vu are connected with neurological or psychiatric illness. Having such experiences is sometimes connected to those with higher socioeconomic status, had better education, and frequently watch films or often have remembered their dreams. Hmm. do you have any of that (laughs) (laughs) i have a lot of deja vu but i also live in a haunted house where we there have been several people that have heard other people's voices yeah yeah so but that one person whose dog reacted i mean that's very it's very similar to my experience see it's it's hard when you're in a haunted house to distinguish one thing from another i the other day now i've told you about the ghost that's down here in the basement i've I've told our listeners that before too the other day i i heard the strangest noise in the house and what's tough too is because we're in an early spring Mm -hmm. i can't tell if it's one of the chipmunks that got in the house again or if it's you know if it's the spirit of the former mister of the house that's moving around Okay. Because occasionally I will hear, hear a noise. And I've, right. I've seen 
things come off the wall and be slammed to the ground like a foot away from the wall. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it's, you know, the former mister of the house who's not pleased with something or if it's, you know, is somebody breaking into the house or is it a rodent or, or what is it that's in this house that's, that's not right? Right. Or is it my imagination or is it the house settling? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to take all things into consideration. Or is the wind blowing? Or, you know, we live off of a main drag, right? Right. So, you know, it could be somebody cutting through the, cutting around the fence or cutting through the yard or cutting through whatever, you know, because I do keep the window open to crack at night. So I could be hearing a noise from outside. You don't know. Yeah. You know? So you have to ask yourself these questions and you have to be skeptical you know, at the same time. Fun questions, Mel. Fun <laughs> questions. Speaking of horror houses and <laughs> being trapped in a house where you don't know what's going on. I'm glad on. you said horror. Because <laughs> the way I say it, it comes out horror. Comes out horror house? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about an abandoned 90s horror house with skin and wet flesh hanging from the ceiling. Ew. How does that sound? Sounds How'd like you- Ed Gein. Yeah, I know it does, doesn't it? How would you like to investigate that house? Ooh. Is it Stephen? Is it still even up, or have they torn it down? Uh, according to this, I'm not quite sure. It's from the '90s, so I don't think it's. Still oh, is it Ed Gein's house? No, it's in the UK. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to the UK, where an urban explorer based there has offered a sneak peek at a creepy horror house that has been abandoned since the 1990s, with flesh, skin, and bones hanging from the ceiling. A man has shared a story of a creepy, creepy abandoned horror house he stumbled upon, which he says is filled with bones and pieces of wet flesh. Urban explorer 54, I'm sorry, 34-year-old Daniel Sims from Huddersfeld uh, ventured into a village in Herefordshire to find the home completely left to the elements, and he estimates it's been abandoned for about two decades. Though he regularly visits deserted buildings across the globe, what Daniel found inside this particular property has left him shaken. This video that he shared on his YouTube channel, where he goes by the name Bearded Reality, that's all you need to look up on YouTube, you'll find it, shows the grisly sight awaiting him inside. Describing what he found, Daniel said, we entered the left property through open windows at the back and were instantly blown away from calendars hung up on the wall. The house seems to have been left since 1998 for a good 20 years. It was filled, how do you get 20 years from 1998? Well, it's over 20 years. Right. It was filled to the brim with so many crazy items, but in such a state of decay that you could tell that no one had been there or lived there for quite a while. But the strangest thing about this place is that one room had a load of pieces of flesh and animal skin hanging down from the ceiling. As well as this, many bones and skulls were all over the property, making it quite a creepy explorer. In the video, Daniel and a fellow explorer enter the home and are soon met with a grim sight. Entering one room, things can be seen hanging from the ceiling. As he approaches, Daniel said, This is weird. Oh, it's flesh. Ew, you can feel it as well. This is pure flesh. You can see um, the f- Wouldn't the local police kind of make sure that that's... I don't know. These quote-unquote abandoned places that people discover. Mm-hmm. I would just think the local police would not allow flesh to be hanging from a ceiling. You would think. I don't know. 
It depends. It depends on if, wouldn't you think if there was an active deed on the house that they would live and, live and let live? I don't know. I don't know. And if the property taxes are being paid. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but usually they they still are. I mean, no one might, no one lives in them, but a lot of times people are still paying taxes and stuff on them because then they get in trouble for taking photography and all that stuff. They still get, uh, what is it, trespassing? Yes. Charged with trespassing. True, and this guy could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said you can see the fat dripping off it. It's still wet. Mm. Yeah, which means somebody's probably been there recently. Other strips of flesh are seen draped across the top of the door. I'm thinking somebody's squatting there. Yeah. It's not clear what the room was used for, although Daniel reckons it could have been used for leather making. I think somebody's been eating there, to be honest with you. Elsewhere, he spots <laughs> what he believes to be an animal skull and various bones littering the home. Reminiscing on his other finds at the home, the explorer said... There were stunning items and gorgeous furniture in this place with the walls covered in some amazing, stunning art. He added that there were wardrobes filled with clothes and some taxidermy pheasants and baby pheasants, which were amazing. Some surprising finds here were the very old Victorian family photos, old leather gun cases, and the living room filled with so much fine china and ornaments. There are some stunning pianos left here. Well, this can't be the same house. There has to be squatters there. There's some stunning pianos left here and other instruments, he went on to say. Daniel has previously made headlines sharing his other explorations from abandoned farms to mansions. This guy kind of does this for a living on his YouTube page. He goes mm -hmm. from different abandoned place to abandoned place. I mean, when you see... When you see some of the things that are in this house, Mally, and then you compare and contrast it with the condition of the place, you can tell mm -hmm. people have been squatting there. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you see some of the garbage there compared with like, okay, here's the outside of the home, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you take a look at the inside of the home. I mean, it's compare and contrast. Yeah. You know. That looks like a squatter. Yeah. It looks like someone's been squatting there based on, and then you look at some of the fine china on the, on the wall. Mm -hmm. I mean that, you know, it's, it's night and day. Right. Or it's a hoarder. Like the people that don't have running water anymore. They, they don't talk to anybody. They just kind of live in their own filth. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's clear when you look at the floor that someone's squatting in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, I mean, it's not much of a mystery when you when you start looking at pictures of, of what's going on in that house. But just sometimes I just get annoyed with the abandoned places because you know that they had to have permission. Like there was one urban explorer guy who was like, oh, I'm at the Rothschild abandoned, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, they would have security. They would have cameras. They would have all this stuff because there was all this fine art and furniture and everything. Right. You right. know he has permission, but he's like, oh, I'm in this abandoned palace. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, you would have had permission. Yeah. <clears throat> this particular woman we're about to talk about has captured a ghost soldier on camera after her dog started barking like crazy. See, I told you dogs are good. They find stuff like this, Mel. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but sometimes you don't want them to find it. <laughs> <laughs> this woman's name is Lael Robertson says she captured the image of a ghost soldier on camera after her dogs alerted her to its shadowy presence while she was at home in Queensland, Australia. 
woman claims she captured the ghost of a soldier who massacred aboriginals lurking in her garden on camera after her dog started barking like crazy. 51-year-old Lael Robert Robertson was at her home in Queensland, Australia, when her pets were unsettled by something outside. She checked her security cameras and was astonished to spot a human-like figure lingering just a few meters away from her porch. The image shows what she believes to be a soldier's legs with, her, with its boots on and the dark shadow of an upper body described as unnaturally disfigured. Huh. Talk about a creepy ghost. The uh, grandmother says she's been told that soldiers massacred aboriginals near her house during the 1800s, and she believes one of them is haunting the property. She posted the picture on Facebook on Saturday, and users have since hailed it as evidence of paranormal activity, and others said it gave them a bad and uncomfortable feeling. She said it looks like a soldier with his boots on. His legs are really clear, and they're transparent. In the 1800s, there was a massacre here where there were troops coming in and killing aboriginals, so it could be one of those. My dog usually tells me if something's around that shouldn't be in the yard, and they were going crazy, so I went to check the footage. She says, when I saw it, I just said, oh my God, what a body image we've just caught, I believe is what she said. Uh, I've just been trying to put what's been happening here into the paranormal investigation world for around a year now, and everybody called me a liar. Now I've got this... I thought they can't say anything about this one, but they do. I feel like I've found the proof now. I don't know how we just got a photo of it and not a video, but because it's a motion sensor camera, I just got a photo. It's taken me a while to get used to this sort of thing. The first year I was very scared, but now I just love it, she went on to say. Uh, Lael moved into the house four years ago and claims paranormal activity began two years ago with knocking on their windows and pictures falling off their walls. But some have claimed her proof is just a camera lens delay from when husband Joe Wilson went outside, but Lael insists nobody was outside at that time and that her dogs can sense ghosts. Her Facebook post has racked up more than 450 reactions with more than 80 comments. The post reads, it's amazing what the full moon brings out in your backyard. In this photo, you can see half of a spirit soldier with his boots on and a dark entity against the laundry wall. There's definitely two spirits as they don't match up, is what one uh, comment went on to say. One convinced user commented, now that's something paranormal. Another agreed and said, best evidence I've seen on this page. A third spooked out viewer said, wow, that is so amazing you caught this evidence of the paranormal. A fourth explained, the size comparisons of the figures to the height of the porch is crazy, so unnaturally slender and disfigured. It gave me a very unwell sensation. Another user felt the same and said, I get a very bad feeling just by looking at the pick. However, one surmised, I think your cam glitched because the dogs are following it. But Lael replied, my dogs are very aware of the spirits here. I'm going to show you this photo real quick here, Mally. I'm going to try and get the ad out of the way so you can actually see the entire photo. you got to love ads on Mm -hmm. on websites. Can you see that entire photo? Oh, yeah. Looks like a shadow. Yeah. Hmm. But does the size thing make sense to you when you see it? I'm like trying to compare it to... To the, yeah, this perspective yeah. of everything. 
And to, I think so. To tell people what we're looking at. And you know what? I'll post this. I'll post this in the description of the show so you can take a look at it for yourself and decide if it, what we're looking looking at. You see the. And it's not her husband. It's not her husband, according to her. It, it, if you look at the perspective, it almost could be her husband. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of transparency to the actual figure. Not a lot, but it, it looks like a, it almost looks like a cloaked shadow. Yeah. Um, but the shadow is a little smaller than what an average human would be. Not much. It could, it could just look like a short human. Um, but it looks like it's walked just a little ways away from, there's like a front porch and then there's, uh, like a little ramp or stairway that comes off the door. And it looks like this person's walked probably about five feet away from the, the ramp mm-hmm. or the stairway. And it just looks like they've got their back to the door and that the light is shining to their back. So it's hard to get detail. And here, let me see if I can zoom in. I'll zoom in on the actual picture here, Mal, and then I'll show you the picture again. Because if I was her, my first thought was someone would be, someone's in my yard. Right. Seeing that. Right. <clears throat> and that would be a, a good a good assumption. Let me see if I can zoom in and show you. Hmm. Change your mind at all? I mean it look it just looks like somebody. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. There's no oh, more... I see the boots, okay. I see what they're saying. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kinda interesting. I'll post this yeah. in the description of the but if there is history of soldiers massacring other people on her on her property, I, what I don't see when you really zoom in on it, I don't see the disconnection. I see knees. Mm-hmm. I don't see, and you know what? I'll get it really in tight here, and I'll, I'll hold it up to the camera so you can see it. Do you see knees there? Yeah. Yeah. There's no disconnection between the boots and the body. Hmm. I think that's her husband. Yeah. But I tell you what, we'll, we'll put it up for you guys to, to look at in the description of this program so you can uh, judge for yourself because I want you guys to see the, the photo and I want, you, I want you to weigh in. So there you go. Uh, let's talk about the Coca-Cola Airs abandoned mansion that's said to be haunted by a blood-stained ghost, Mally. Mm. Yeah, let's get into this. An elderly woman is said to be a former nurse and seen wandering about the Erie property, reputed to be haunted by one-time hospital patients, including a blood-stained ghost. A peek behind the doors of Coca-Cola Air's abandoned mansion has been given, and it's said to be haunted by a blood-stained ghost. As a Buddy Griggs Candler Jr. once owned Briarcliff Mansion and turned the fizzy drinks brand into a worldwide phenomenon, uh, after his father's death, but it is reportedly t- uh, too haunted by former hospital patients, including a bloodstained ghost. Charlie Payne, head of the preservation effort behind the mansion in the United States, told the Southerner he witnessed an elderly woman, a former nurse, wandering around the Erie property many years ago. Boy, the the, the pictures from this just look like your stereotypical, uh, like. Uh, dark shadows type mansion. Yeah, with the tattered yeah curtains. Yeah, I mean it's just look at the fireplace though. The fireplace at one time could have been really, really beautiful. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, that's that's some nice stuff. 
Uh, he said, I remember looking at her hands as she was talking and seeing blood where she had scratched and picked at her skin. Whatever happened had obviously taken some toll on her. Asa Griggs Candler Sr. bought the property from inventor John Pemberton for $2,300 in 1891. He decided to sell Coca-Cola again in 1919, bringing the family millions in real estate. Cash from the sale went into Briar Cliff Mansion in Atlanta, Georgia, which had two swimming pools, a golf course, a ballroom, and a solarium. He also had many of magician Houdini's props on the wall of his mansion and claimed they were close friends. The massive home, which was finished in 1922, had huge gardens and where elephants, lions, and a gorilla were kept. Sounds like a fun property. (laughs) They fancy. (laughs) Yeah. Love Property reports the gorilla who lived in the private zoo once escaped and bit a house guest when they sued Candler for $10,000 in damages. Sounds like a fun property. (laughs) (laughs) But Briarcliff became a scandal in the 1930s because of the state of the property. It was thrown into the spotlight in 1931 after Candler Jr.'s butler and personal magic assistant, Jose Cruz, shot his girlfriend and took his own life on Briarcliff grounds. That'll get you shut down. Mm -hmm. Well, Candler Jr. struggled to shake off the negative attention from local people in the press. Despite not being directly involved, his fortune began to decline in 1930 due to poor investments and expensive hobbies. Um, He was then declared bankrupt and was forced to sell the mansion to the General Services Administration or the GSA in 1948. Candler Jr. fought alcoholism for most of his life and then passed away from liver cancer in 1953. It was transformed into a 141-bed psychiatric hospital from 1965 to 1997. That'll get some ghosts to stir up, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But images of the mansion show it home showed the home became a creepy house of horrors. In addition to its blood-stained ghosts, the property has a chilling message written in graffiti on an indoor fountain which read it ran with blood. Hmm. How would you like to see that on the old fountain? <laughs> the mansion now sits on the Briarcliff campus of Emory University, which purchased the property in 1998. University had plans to turn the ground in, grounds rather into a 54-room boutique hotel, but it is still in a state of disrepair and still has chilling stories of its ghostly inhabitants. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. And finally today, Mally, I figured we'd end the uh, program by taking a look at kingdoms that were buried either under sea, under the sand, or under anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just a different ending to the show today. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a program coming up here, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, um, about... A lost kingdom, much like Atlantis. We have a guest coming on talking about an undersea kingdom that is Atlantis, but much like it. Mm-hmm. So I figured we'd investigate the Atlantis of the Sands, which was buried in a storm in five other lost worlds to kind of set us up for that program that's happening a week from tomorrow. The most famous lost world is the underwater city of Atlantis, which still fascinates. And there are others which have become a mystery and legendary myths in our world. Uh, Atlantis, of course, is legendary in folklore, and its history lives on, but there are also five other worlds reputed to have been lost to the planet, 
it's amazing that we've lost cities and whole whole little mm-hmm. worlds. Um, it's amazing when I moved into this house, there was a barbecue grill in the in the Baffs <laughs> whole cities. Um, some of the so-called uh, lost worlds could be fables and never existed in the first place, but Atlantis is the most famous, and archaeologists are still searching for it, with the story behind it and other fabled places still fascinating and intriguing people today. With Atlantis, the city was first mentioned in Greek philosopher Plato's uh, Timaeus and Critias works in the 4th century BC, reputed to be a utopian civilization created by half-humans and half-gods. Atlantis is believed to have launched an attack on Athens, according to the portalist, which retaliated by burning it down until it collapsed in on itself. The island sank to the bottom of the ocean after the gods turned their back on it, according to legend. It has been argued by some scholars that the events were based on real-life events. This has sparked theories about its location, which some people say is off the coast of Spain to Antarctica. Now, Lemuria is another uh, lost civilization. Lemuria is believed to be a continent south of Sri Lanka in the Indian Ocean. British zoologist Philip, uh, I believe this is Sclater, Question why Lemurs, Lemurs, Lemurs. <laughs> you reckon it the French way. Lemurs, <laughs> uh, Lemurs were present in Madagascar off the coast of Africa, the east coast of Africa. He has said there were more of the creatures there than anywhere else. This, he claimed, allowed them to emigrate to the now sunken continent, which he dubbed Lemuria. Uh, the supercontinent of Pangaea that existed some 300 million years ago, however, and eventually broke up, is more likely of an exclamation for Sclater's theory. Is, is you is or is you ain't my lost kingdom, Mally. <laughs> There's also known as Care Is, is the city that is said to be located in, oh boy, I'm going to blow this one. It's, it's uh, based off of, uh, a place in France. In my head, I go, that's what she said. Yeah, that's what she said. When you said, oh, I'm going to blow this one. When I'm going to blow this one. Yeah, that's what she said. Thank Sorry. you. By the way, I should give you one of those. <clears throat> <laughs> it's located in, is it Duarnenez Bay? You're asking me. Duarnenez Bay in Brittany, France. It was reportedly famous for its beautiful gardens and I'll just skip over it and buildings and was a wealthy trading hub where citizens lived comfortably. The legend goes that the place was founded after Dahut, a magician and the daughter of Gradlon or Gradlon, king of Cairn, begged her father to build a city by the sea. Unfortunately, Dahut allowed a passing handsome knight to enter through the city gates. Ain't that always the way, though? <laughs> after giving him the keys, although she was shut down after five. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's closing time. That's right. I learned that much today. Uh, <laughs> the knight turned out to be the devil in disguise, and after he left the city gates open, allowing the ravaging sea to enter, that's a, just like a guy, though, right? <laughs> Leave the gates open. Uh, and drowned the land, Dehut was eventually turned into a mermaid and lured sailors to their death. Mm. Mm. That all sounds about right. 
<laughs> now that I think about it. I believe this is Thule, the lost kingdom of Thule, or T-H-U-L-E. I'm not great at pronunciation today, Mel. I don't know how that differs from any other day. That's that's okay. I could, I didn't want to do math in my head, so I had to, I had to have you tell me what year it was instead of subtracting. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the land was said to be found at the ends of the earth, or even slightly north of the Orkney Islands, and was first mentioned by Greek explorer Pythias, 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 Amadeus, Amadeus. The explorer said the place was somewhere where land and sea are blurred together, much like my brain right now, <laughs> referring to its consistency like a jellyfish. It said large sea monsters surrounded the land and Thule citizens or dual citizens painted themselves blue when they rode into battle on chariots. They made their homes from whale bones and kept warm with sea, seal skin clothing. They sound fashionable and cruel and unusual. <laughs> Modern cartographers believe that Thule, if it existed, was most likely somewhere around Norway or Iceland. I believe. Also, there's one other one, and that is Iram of the Pillars, which was my nickname when I played soccer <laughs> because I didn't move anywhere. I'll give you one of those. I just stood in the goal posts. I played goalie. I was a fat kid. That's a fat kid joke there, Mally. Like many lost... Boy, that went over like a fart in church. <laughs> Sorry. Like many lost worlds, some think it is Aram of the Pillars that was eventually swallowed up by the sea. It's sometimes called Atlantis of the Sands, and it was eventually destroyed according to Al-Fair, the 89th chapter of the Quran. Reportedly or reputedly once a thriving metropolis, it was home to people called Odd. That's AD, not ODD, by the way. <laughs> I know. I was trying to I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, who were said to turn away from the word of Allah and led disreputable lives. Much like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, the city was said to have been wiped out in response to its citizens' behavior. A sandstorm rose and swept the place for up to eight days, swallowing it up and leaving nothing but desert. Some people believe that the ancient city of uh, Yubar in Oman, which was only rediscovered in the 1990s, is actually Iram of the Pillars, or Iram, Iram or Iram. Agartha is the deepest lost world on the list. That's Agartha or Agarthi. Either one is believed to be located in the Earth's core. Believers of this underworld are called hollow earthers, which we've had a few of those on the show before, uh, because they see the Earth's core as hollow and containing a civilization of many cities. By the way, we got to get a hollow earther back on the program. We haven't well, done that. Last time while. we had, but it's been a few years. Okay, I think it's been like five years. A hidden entrance is said to be somewhere in the Gobi Desert and built using advanced technology by Agarthans that humans on the surface wouldn't be able to locate it. The capital city inside is called Shambhala with a smoky sun at the center providing light to all its inhabitants. So I have to ask you, Mally, of all mm -hmm. those hidden worlds, which one do you think truly exists? Do you think there's a hollow earth? I don't think so. No. 
Do you think there's one under the sands? Hmm. Under the sands, I, under I, the sea, or under the earth? Which one do you think would exist the most? Uh, probably more so in the sea. Okay. But they have discovered buildings, though, digging. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'll say with the water. Maybe the there's water. like a huge flooding. Okay. What about you? I think under the sands is probably the the... I think there's there's probably more truth to the the vision of Iram of the pillars. I mm-hmm. think that's probably a more true story um, than I think because they have discovered architecture before, like un, that has been buried. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's easy for, especially out in the desert, for whole civilizations to have been swallowed up. Mm-hmm. So I would go with a story like Iram of the Pillars. Then maybe a story like Atlantis because of tectonic plates and things like Pangea mm-hmm. and, and different things sinking. I can believe Atlantis. I don't believe God's actually sunk an entire right. continent. And then Hollow Earth comes in third. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> I don't believe there's anybody living in the earth. I, I think there's that 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 uh that that's a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a sci-fi movie. So there you go. So that'll do it today for... Uh, oh, no, no, you know what? Well, we've got Parisher today. I'm sorry. I forgot we've got a Parisher story today or two. So let's end on a Parisher, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. We, we of course, we, we want your, your emails and your correspondence. You can, by the way, leave us a voice note. The way you do that, go to darknessradioshow.com. Click on that blue button that's on the right-hand side. And leave us up to a two-minute voice note. If you need more than two minutes, click on that blue button again. We'll stitch your voice voice notes together. And you can have more than two minutes. You can have four minutes. We're, we're uh, gracious that way. Well, that's, that's just the way we work. <laughs> um, we heard again from Mark, Marky Mark, who, uh, who wrote into us on a couple different notes. One, he says... It's me again with another parasher. First off, I had a comment about one of your dumb crime, stupid criminal stories. You remember a couple weeks back, he says the, the story of the guy who performed a nude belly flop into a Leeds, Alabama Bass Pro Shops fish tank. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that story, but the guy took the belly flop into the, did you see that yep. story? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I heard that story, I thought to myself, why does Leeds sound so familiar? Then I thought, oh yeah, I stopped at the outlet mall there on one of my trips and I suddenly realized that on the way back, the guy driving had wanted to stop by the Bass Pro Shop. I thought, wow, I got to see those fish before they were traumatized by that naked swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the first and only time I had set foot in a Bass Pro Shop. And we ended up winning a free Bahamas cruise for two. Dang. Nice. Guess it worked out better for me than it did that stupid criminal. Okay, let's get to Parisher. This one's called Somewhere Over the Rainbow Bridge. This story is just a microcosm of a much larger story that would take too long to tell all at once. So I'll save the overarching story for another time. This is the most recent part of the story. Works good for a standalone Parisher. A few years back, I was living on my own, just me and my cat, Shala. One day, I brought a girl home to live with us. Oh, bad idea. You and the, you got you to gotta introduce slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing along her small poodle mix, Chum Lee. Oh, uh, I bet the cat wasn't happy. Yeah. Chum Lee was a great dog who always thought she was the biggest dog in the room. 
I fell in love with her right away. As much as she meant to me, she meant even more to the girl. Not wanting kids of her own, Chumley became that kid. In fact, she was her whole world. The year went by, and then one night, late last spring, Chumley suddenly didn't seem okay. She seemed shaky and unable to breathe properly. When she started coughing up foamy blood, we knew we had to do something. We drove her to the nearest 24-hour vet, which was two hours away. They told us she had an embolism, which was constricting her breathing and would need to be put in an oxygen chamber. The next 24 hours would be crucial. We drove home, leaving instructions that if anything changed, they would let us know immediately. The next day, Chumley got a good report. And they said that maybe we could bring her home that night. Then in the afternoon, they said we should probably leave her there another day just to be sure. Around 10 p.m., we got a call that Chumley wasn't able to get air, even with the oxygen all the way up. We jumped in the car and raced there as quickly as we could. Before we made it, Chumley unfortunately passed away. We were both devastated, especially the girl, whose world was now shattered. Worse yet, she never even got to say goodbye. We asked for a blood sample, which will come in later. Gathered up old chum and drove home. We spent what was left of that night at my parents' house, since they had a large freezer that we could use as a makeshift doggy morgue. The next day, home now, and getting ready for bed, suddenly the LED strip uh, lining the top of the bedroom wall turned a bright powder blue, the same shade of blue that her and her dad, who had also recently passed, both professed to love. We looked at each other and then over at the remote for it, sitting on a shelf in the corner on the far side of the room behind the bed. At the same moment, the TV turned on and started loading Netflix, not the Roku version that we used, but the internal smart TV version. It showed an error code UI and a number which kept counting up exponentially. Strange, we thought, but being exhausted, just went to bed. For three nights in a row, the same occurrence happened at exactly the same time, 11.38 p.m., which was exactly 12 minutes after the time they had stopped CPR on Chum Lee. This made us start to question, was Chum Lee trying to say goodbye or tell us that she was okay? The lights malfunctioning I could see happening maybe once, but always at the same time in color and in conjunction with the TV was just too much of a coincidence. I asked her what the error, error code UI could mean. She said that she used to sing the One Direction song, You and I, to Chum Lee when she was a teenager. The next day, we stopped by the UPS store to send off a package. This package contained the vial of Chum Lee's blood that we got from the vet tech. She was sending it to an artist who could use it to make a pendant for her from the blood so that Chum Lee could always be by her heart. She slid the package to, across the counter. At that moment, a song came blasting through the store's speaker. You guessed it, You and I by One Direction. The song was over a decade old and not one you would hear very often. I glanced over at her and her eyes were huge. That night she had a dream that she was standing outside our house where she would often go to let Chumley run around in the grass. Her dad, who had preceded Chumley by a couple of years, came walking up the driveway to her. I just wanted to let you know that Chumley's okay, he said. She was really hungry. I had to feed her twice. The dream made her feel a little bit better, like maybe her dad was taking care of Chumley. The frequency of the lights changing dwindled and became a rare thing, and by the end of summer, had stopped completely. Then in September, my cat Shalal uh, passed, also passed. 
Now, my sister had some dogs that we referred to as the wolf pack, and Chumley had definitely been the pack, Alpha. Their biggest dog, Pandora, was a golden retriever, and the girls always wanted to come over and spend the night with us. I had said no because my cat would have a coronary. <laughs> now with Shalal gone, I asked my sister if Pandora could spend the night and made it a surprise. Now every night, the girl, before falling asleep, would say her goodnights to Chum Lee. She did this while Chum Lee was alive and still continues to this day. We were up late with Pandora, who eventually passed out between us, and by 3 o'clock, we were ready to pass out too. She began to say her goodnights to Chum Lee. A few seconds in, Pandora snapped herself awake. Instantly, the lights turned that same blue color. Pandora sprang to life. She was trying to get across the bed to where Chum Lee's ashes were kept. With the girl blocking her way, she jumped to the floor. She walked up to a life-size photo of Chum Lee hanging on the wall and began whining and acting like she was about to jump on the nightstand to get it or to get to it. Finally, we got her back to bed and settled down, and the girl finished her ritual goodnights. At 3.08, the lights turned on again, this time a dark purple color. Now, purple was my color. I instinctively looked at the clock, 3.08, the time my cat had passed the previous day in the next room. This was just getting too weird. For the next few days, the lights continued. If we were out of the house at those times, the lights would be on waiting for us when we got home. If the girl was saying her goodnights and the lights were turned blue it, and it hit 308, they would turn over to purple. I like to think Chum Lee and Shala were fighting over the remote, which, by the way, was still sitting up on that shelf. One night it happened so many times that we just stopped turning it back to the normal color. We had it for sleep and just went to bed. In the morning, the light was out, burnt out apparently, and I could never get it to work again. Hope you enjoyed the story, and maybe it gave some comfort to those who have lost pets or someone close to them. Talk to you next time. Mark oh, Mark. that was sweet. Yeah. So there you go. We'll end on that note today. So that'll do it for Supernatural News and Parashare. Again, if you have a Parashare story, email me, Tim at DarknessRadio.com, or you can leave the voice note at DarknessRadioShow.com. Mally, what you got going on for this weekend? Uh... I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah? I haven't. I'm just going day by day. <laughs> I think we all are. We're all living day, to, day by day, minute to minute, hour to hour. Um, I know. I can't even think ahead. Check out paranormalgirl.com. Uh, Mally's got some great stuff up there. she got some great drink recipes, got some great recipes, and she's got a heck of a clothing line there. That's for sure. Yes, I have to post some new stuff, but I haven't done it yet. You'll get it done. I know, I know. I have confidence in the way. I have confidence in you, young Jedi. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, now that I'm starting to feel better, yeah, I'll be more active. Yeah, exactly. I'm up at KNSI Radio this weekend, uh, spewing all kinds of pablum like weather, sports. Uh, I don't do the news, but I do weather and sports, and of course, uh, this week in rock history. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, that's fun. Hey, how are ticket sales for your event that you're doing? Uh, that's right. We also have uh, Potographs for Pooches, which is going on May 18th. Thank you for reminding me, Mally. No problem. At the Palmer House in Sock Center. Uh, ticket sales are brisk, but there's still a few tickets remaining. Get on it, folks. There are not going to be tickets by the end of February. I guarantee you 
That is my way of saying guarantee. <laughs> um, go to potographsforpooches.com. Otherwise, uh, we have it up in the event section. Uh, now, I've been a little lax in doing that, but it's up in the event section of darknessradioshow.com. Rooms are going as well for that very quickly. Uh, if you can't get a room at the Palmer, there is another hotel that is just right down the street for that event. It's a one-day event, $79 tickets. Um, I believe there's a reception the night before as well. But um, Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a great event. Richard Estep, myself, Tim Miley. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the psychic who's there. I'm sorry, it's not, it's not a slight, I, I swear. Um, but uh, all... All profits and proceeds go to Eagle's Nest for that particular event. So I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm glad Tim added me for it, and, and I'm excited to be there. So by all means, folks, come come out. Say hi to myself and Richard and Tim and, and uh, get a reading and, and, and help out the pooches. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to get an autograph from Tim and Murray. That's what I want. that's what i want so uh so yeah get those get those uh spots while they're still remaining and investigate the uh the palmer house if you never have it's 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 a active place it's exciting Mm -hmm. very yeah so looking forward to that so thank you for reminding me Melly. yeah no problem i think about you but i can't tell you what i'm doing tonight (laughs) you know what i mean yeah 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 so uh yeah yeah so that'll do it for that'll do it for today. Tomorrow on the big program, Mel. Boy, I told you I had a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a huge fan of comedy? Yeah, actually, I am. Tomorrow on the big program, we have not only a psychic on the program tomorrow, but a psychic that's been in contact with some of your favorite comedians. Oh, that's right. Linda Maris is on the program. She's got a book out there in which she's been in contact with some of your favorite comedians. She's a comedian herself. Okay. Yeah. So we'll talk about what some of your favorite comedians are doing on the other side. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if she's been in touch with Robin Williams. We'll find out tomorrow. Ah. Yeah. So that's coming up on the big show tomorrow. I'm excited because I have a, I'm a huge fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't do it well, but I'm a huge fan of comedy. <laughs> so there you go. That's according yeah, your to some delivery might need a little working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might have to go to the comedy clubs and get thrown eggs at and things like that in order to get heckled. Get Is it heckled? heckled? Is that what yes, they call it? heckled. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I know I get heckled all the time. There you go. <laughs> so that's tomorrow on the big show. Linda Maris will be with us. We will we will talk about comedians on the other side. Very cool. Yeah. So we got some big shows coming up this uh, February uh, and much, much, much more. So I thought about doing, uh, although we will be, uh, we won't be uh, for True Crime Tuesday. I thought about doing a revenge, a love revenge show. Okay. I'm not going to. (laughs) Oh. I thought about it, but I'm not going to. Maybe, maybe for the week after, but I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know. I it's a little too close to home. I, I, yeah. Oh, for you? Yeah. Oh. I had a real bad stalker back in the day. It's, it's uh, a little too close to home. I don't know that I'd do that. <laughs> for True Crime Tuesday. But uh, I digress. That's for another day. Um, 
So uh, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening to the program, folks. Again, rate and review. Give us five stars if you love the show. If you don't, uh, d- don't give us five stars. Don't don't even bother with the one and twos. Mm-hmm. We don't want it. They say if you have nothing nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's right. <laughs> Follow your mama's advice. If you don't have anything yeah. nice to say, don't say it at all. Um, but that'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow for Linda Maris and comedians on the other side. Right here on The Best in Paranormal Programming, this has been Darkness Radio.